Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. This episode of the IGN UK podcast is brought to you by X-Files Cold Cases. Available now exclusively from Audible. Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. I'm Alex and I'm joined by Rory Powers. Hey everyone. And Joey Scrubs. Hello. The British Invasion. Oh, you sounded about that. I tell you why. <laughs> is because I re-uploaded episode 339 of the podcast, which was previously missing from iTunes for whatever reason. And that is the reason where uh, we explain about um, Jared calling you Joey Scrubs. Oh, is it? The British Invasion, which that is why really it just weird. popped into my skull. <laughs> that was very strange. Jared's a lovely man, but he's got uh, an odd habit of just like deciding on like a nickname for you, it seems. Well, that's why he got fired from IGN. It is, and why he's, he's like he's he had like, to go to the doldrums <laughs> of EA writing about Star Wars. He's like the sorting hat. When you meet him for the first time, he just stares at you and then decides the name, and you're just stuck with it for British life. Invasion. Of all yeah. people, someone called Scrabbles, he calls the British yeah. Invasion. I know. <laughs> It's like, my name's Roy Powers. What's my nickname? Normal boy. Okay, <laughs> cheers, Jerry. <laughs> cheers. How are you guys doing? Good. You've been away. I have been away. I went on a holiday for two weeks. I, I would say you look tanned, but you're always tanned, so you're swarthy. Are you flirting with me? Yes. <laughs> I like it. Nice. You like that? Oh, there's a little wink there. It's <laughs> sexy. Uh, yeah, I went to France and I took my Switch with me because uh, I just got Splatoon. <laughs> just you and the Switch. Left the family. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yes. Well, if that would have been the case, it would have been a really tough two weeks because I'm not enjoying Splatoon, which I know is against most of the kind of criticism against it, but mm, I think yeah. it's been largely positive. But I don't particularly like the controls. I'm not over keen on the aesthetic. So are you talking mainly about the online multiplayer no, or the narrative? So, like, okay, there was zero Wi-Fi where I was, so it was purely single player. Okay. Um, and but like I think oh, you were in a campsite, weren't you? Yes. I was trying to think why you had zero Wi-Fi or whether you'd chosen that or something. No, like Under, I mean, you kind of did by going to a campsite. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like there, there was Wi-Fi, but I think it was like like one megabyte or something like that. Is like I could have. Were you in like a? Tent or in one of no, the. He uh, was staying in. Jesus Christ! Like two weeks in a tent. <laughs> Northern France's famous lead hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Can't get any Wi-Fi through those walls. <laughs> um, but like, I know that you both like it. I, I love it, but I love it more for multiplayer than single player. I, I don't say. think that's why most people love it, which is why maybe you're getting a different response. But, I, I still, but my issues with it, like, I, would I, like, would be across would be all the, the modes. Yeah. yeah. Like, so the biggest issue I've got is the, the aiming, which uh, I don't find particularly accurate when I'm using only the stick and all over the place when I'm using motion controls. <laughs> Whereas with Zelda, where you had a combination of the two, was just absolutely the, mm. the perfect way of controlling Switch games. Yeah. Uh, and from what I can gather, I don't think you can actually do that in Splatoon. Not in the same way, no. No. Like, the motion controls are implemented completely differently. Like, the weird thing about Splatoon 2 is that all those it was very easy to go oh Splatoon 1.5 yeah it's really easy because it's basically true like right. they're reusing so much that the way it controls is 
identical to how it was on the Wii U. Okay. Most of its problems are the same problems it had on Wii U, like not in multiplayer, not being able to change loadouts between games. You have to quit all the way right. out of the lobby that, to that change it ridiculous. and come back. Yeah. Oh, mad the, stuff. oh my God, the online multiplayer is... I mean, it's great when you're in there and playing exactly, it, yeah. but everything surrounding it is like the biggest pile of baloney. Yeah, it's right. so horrible. I, ke- I kept, when I first got it, it's gotten a little bit more stable but i kept getting disconnected from games halfway through and then nintendo punishes you if you keep dropping out because it thinks you're just quitting games right it's like your servers are kicking me off of the games i'm trying to play wow that's really brutal yeah uh, do you remember when um in early days of overwatch uh Bastion, if you were in sentry mode for too long, even if you were looking around with the right stick, it thought you weren't moving and would kick you out of the game. <laughs> that was really funny. I wish they still brought that in. Yeah, the game. Lovely. lovely. Um, but there was, it's one of those weird ones where when you talk about Splatoon and someone who talk with someone who doesn't like it, and particularly your criticisms of yeah. it, that's one of those things where all the points I would make to say, oh, I disagree, yeah. are actually just points of preference. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, it's really yeah. easy to go like, oh, you're wrong, but actually. Yeah. You saying, oh, it's not that accurate when you're using the stick. Yeah. I kind of find the lack of accuracy part of what Splatoon does on purpose. And that's a bullshit. <laughs> and exactly. That is exactly. That's a bullshit response. But okay. I kind of like it because the idea is you're just spraying paint everywhere. So right. a bit of the lack of accuracy is kind of built in. The okay. idea that you're being scattershot Do is... Do you enjoy getting kicked from games? Don't enjoy that, but I was talking directly to Alex. Butt out. <laughs> <laughs> and that wasn't one of my criticisms. No. Um, yeah, and the aesthetic, like, I, all I can say is, I really like it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, hard, yeah. Like, it's, yeah. It's one of those hard things where I guess you just play it and go, oh, it's not for me, and that's fine. And I think that is absolutely fine. And, yeah. and that's it. I, I think I did two or three worlds... I'm oh, that's done. you're most of the way through that as well. Oh, really? Yeah, like so. Oh. F- I think it's only four, maybe five. Maybe worlds? I've only done two. Then I'm trying to think what the second boss was. The first one was the toaster. Is the toaster? I think the second one is it's the samurai. Mm. Or oh, oh, yeah, it's that guy yeah, in the yeah, big. Yeah. yeah, he does the big yes, long yeah. ones. Yeah, so so I've only done two. Sorry. Okay, yes. So you're on to the third. Um, yeah, but I, don't, I don't know if I'm actually going to bother. That's, it's it's all the boring. same. Yeah, it, does, it, it basically it does, yeah. nothing changes. It's, you it's, get different guns, but it's all the same. It's basically. kind of like cut price uh, Super Mario Sunshine in lots of ways. Right, like it right, does right. lots of cool ideas, but if you don't like the base feeling of it, you're not going to enjoy the rest of it. But I just I love so much about it. No, it and that's it. And that's why I thought there must be something I'm missing. But I think you're right. I just don't think it's the game for me. Yeah, that's totally that's fair. Wait for Mario. Oh, yeah, but that's Ooh. ages away. It's not. It's creeping it's two up. Two months out. away. It's creeping up. When's it out? And like mid to late October. Like it's really pretty close. I guess so. Yeah, it's All August. Right. It's terrible. I, I know. That's the thing. Cause <laughs> yeah, like he's hovering his switch over a bin. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> but, I guess. but because like August feels like the summer, October feels like the winter. It feels like mm. there's a massive gap between it. Yeah, autumn's just like that. It's gone. Right? Done. Oh, so depressing. Gamescom's coming up. What can That's I play? depressing, is and it? PSX, and soon we'll all be dead. So. <laughs> Gamescom, PSX, <laughs> death. It's Paris Games Week as well, actually. Oh yeah. Why are you repping Paris Games Week? Because I've had to. Are you in charge? No, I've had no, to figure out that one. The Some of us are going. Because <laughs> no. PlayStation apparently are going to be there. Ooh, stay Hello. tuned to the IGN UK Whoa, podcast. We're going to show on Giant. Bye. <laughs> Good work, guys. Day's gone. Everyone, the, the game, no one cares about. Oh, bless them. Day's um, gone. Man, I'm, if we're talking about games, I'd disagree with people on the look of Jesus Christ. You don't like the look of it? I think it looks rubbish. Why? Well, it's a boring bike man in front of loads of zombies. Like, it's a game w- like whose whole... Do you like Dead whole, Rising? Um, bit. 
I like the old ones where it was silly. Right. I don't like the new ones where it's, it's still kind of be... silly. It's, it's, it's silly, silly in what you do, but it's trying to be a serious story. That's what bothers me. Like right. I'm, I don't know what Dead Rising Three, where he was like having a hard time, but then he'd get on a big steamroller with spikes on it, and you're like, yeah. I don't really get this as a combination. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. It just doesn't so work. Is that to go full stupid or like? Well, it's like it the up. beginning of Dead Rising Four when you're sneaking into like a is it a military base or something like that? I Did was not like, play Dead this Rising Four. Is 4. so weird. That is weird. I, like, yeah. was it you I was talking to the other day where we just forgotten that Dead Rising Four had ever come out? It not just, not me because I actually had to play it for quite okay. a long time. It was someone else. We were just like. Oh yeah, it really was a knock thing. out, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. No one. I remember it. seeing. Uh, was it not good? Oh, I don't. Well, I, I think everyone was angry that well, like Frank little... West wasn't like the same Frankie. or something. He wasn't. He wasn't Frank enough. Fra- he wasn't Frankish. Yeah, that sucks. Look, we character. should talk about good games, not bad games. We okay. should. I'm gonna do a section that I call. There's no games on Switch. <laughs> there fucking is. There's loads. I've been playing loads of little Why indie games. Why do you games. call it? There's loads yeah, of fucking games on that's, Switch. Because it's a rebuttal to people. Right. Um, <laughs> so this week I've been it's playing. A long headline. I know. Yeah, it's we're not that long. Well, because you've got to have that. No games on Switch. I suppose you've got to have quote, lots unquote, of repeated it, vowels. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that's true. <laughs> How do you spell that? It's lots of Y's. Anyway, (laughs) I've been playing three excellent indie games on Switch that Uh I recommend people get. Number one, Gona, which, as we all know, is the game that Alicia helped translate into Spanish. Did we know that was a thing? No. What? Yeah, the Spanish version of that game translated by Alicia of this parish. Spanish? Yeah. Yeah. Fluent. I did not know that. Um, there's not much. Well, I think we've already talked about this on the podcast. There's not much Spanish. Well, there's not much text. I thought you were going to say Spanish is easy. Spanish Spanish is we talked about this on the podcast before. <laughs> Just put O's and I's on the end of all the words. It's fine. Um, which is a like a 2D platform shooter. Right. But that how it takes them. I'm not going to say that. Uh, I was going to say it takes the Dark Souls approach. But that's so boring. Yeah, it is. Uh, you better than that, Joe. What it, what it does is refuses to explain what it's doing. So it gives right. you the controls and then puts you in the world and it's just like, all right, go. You cool. Go, I'm into that. Okay. And you run through and then you die. And then you appear back in a room with death and he gives you all your stuff back. And then you go again and you're like, all right. I've got a backpack that like changes my ammo, but then you come across another backpack and it goes and you pick it up and you're like, oh, I'm gonna have more ammo. But what it does is instead um, helps you stop. It like stops every enemy on the level for a second, and you're like, what's that? And then you come across another head, and you could take your head off and put a different head on, and suddenly you can jump much higher. Oh, so you like customize like, your own body? So yeah, exactly. So your but your actual body when you get hit. Your backpack, your head, and your gun all fall off, and you're just bouncing around, and then you go around and pick them up again. That's right. life. But then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, so it's got this really weird set of mechanics that just doesn't tell you about until they happen to you. And right. then you kind of work out more and more as you go on. And it's like, it's sort of playing a 2D platformer that's also a mystery, but the mechanics are the mystery, okay. which is really cool. I, I like, like that. Number two, okay. a game called Slime San. Slime San. Slime San. Yeah. Okay. It's a bit weeabooey, okay. um, but it's a game in which you're a little slime that's been swallowed by a giant worm, yeah. and essentially it's a Super Meat Boy style platform. you got to like get out of his belly, right? Yeah. I think I read about this so one. It's a Super Meat Boy <coughs> style platformer, by which I mean yeah. it's fucking hard immediately. Like, right. I've just finished the first world. I was tearing my... All of it out. Um, everything. Every last piece. Every bit of me out. Like Gonna. And um, <laughs> and yeah, so it's it's got that to it and it's got cool little mechanics. So it's not just wall jumping and air hopping and dashing and stuff, but there's also 
a move where you can morph through slime that's the same color as you but that also slows down time but then it means you can't do other things so it's got like all of these different mechanics that you just have to work out from the beginning oh or you God. can't play right the best thing about it is Jesus christ it's this it's a linear platformer with all this challenge stuff but anytime you can back out and there's like a whole explorable town inside this worm's belly with all these characters to talk to yeah and like random arcade mini games to unlock and just tons and tons of cosmetics and it doesn't need to be there at all but right, I just so built this town that you can walk around it serves no purpose for the main game no but it it's were. just nice like right. it's a whole but world what's in there because animals get worms what do worms get uh, well the worm has is there's like a hippo in there so I don't know how big this worm is I don't know if this is scientifically the hippo accurate. runs a shop uh, oh no runs a shop that yeah. makes sense oh, yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's that's clear that, yeah. Um, as long as it's got a purpose so there's this whole town and then there's another section and it just says like uh, I think it says like home and I was like all right, I'll press that. I pressed it. It just goes, meanwhile, at Slime Sands house. <laughs> and you can just walk around the town Slime Sands from as his son. And he just walks around and everyone's like, oh, where's your dad gone? And it's like, <laughs> what? Mad. What the fuck is any of this? It's really weird. And I think maybe it's going to turn into something, but I don't know when. Okay. It's it's wicked. I really like oh, it. Um, that just sounds bizarre. It is. It's totally bizarre. But did it's just did like, you make it out of the worm? No, oh, not even close. I think there's like, I've probably got like 300 more levels to finish. It's Jesus. nuts. 300? I, I'm lying. Go there's home. loads. Go home. There's like Slime Junior. But there's like 20 levels per world and there's at least four worlds. So I think there's Oof. loads. It's hard. It's wicked. I really like did it. Did you finish Super Meat Boy? Uh, I don't think I did actually. Right. I definitely... Calling him out on the podcast. I played oh, a, nice. No, I, I like played that. a lot. Did yeah. you? I've never played it. Yeah. Otherwise, I would have done. I still never finished Binding of Isaac, which is another good Switch game, but I've already talked about that. Finally, my favourite of the bunch. Uh, actually, I think it comes out today as we record. Okay. It's called Ironcast. And it is a... And, right, all of this sounds like the worst, but I promise it's brilliant, right? <laughs> it is a roguelike uh, turn-based strategy mech game but you play it by playing a sort of match three style game, right? right. Oh, this is what you were telling me about. I was, about. Te I was yeah. telling, telling you about it the other day. So you have a mech yeah. and you've got to, uh, you're playing through a campaign that's always the same, but with randomized missions. And you've got to choose those missions. Some of them are like survive for this many turns or just destroy the thing that's coming up or collect enough resources. And there's like tons of different systems. You're always fighting something else. So you can like shoot its weapons, shoot its shields, shoot its uh, like drive. So it's, it can't move and movement is like your evasion. Yeah. And so you're having these turn-based battles and managing all your systems. But the key to it is that you can take as many moves as you like on your turn, as long as you have the resources to do it and you collect the resources by playing a match three game. Right. So it's just in the middle, there's this big thing and it's like one, some of the, um, some of the resources are like your coolant or your ammo, yeah. your repair energy and all of this stuff. And so suddenly it's turned playing a match game into like strategy. And I'm like, okay, if I shoot there, that reduces my ammo enough that if I collect seven ammo things, that will then like bring down that so that I can get the coolant and like power more shooting and stuff. And it's turned a match game into like actual proper strategy which I've never had before people have compared it to Puzzle Quest which I never played but apparently it was really it's good like, it's like if Candy Crush powered a transformer that's kind of it you just have to go match everything together um, to keep it running and I'm absolutely obsessed I was up till two last night playing it Whoa. and now I'm tired <laughs> um, because not only that it's permadeath so if you lose 
It sends Ooh. you back to the start. You re you can, but you can earn stuff along the way that lets you buy new mechs or new pilots for them. Right, and then you can restart the campaign with like randomized stuff. And it gets it's sort of like eight missions and then a boss and then eight missions then a boss. Right, and it's just really fucking good. Like how I much love is it, it so how much. much. Is it what are we talking? I think it's like twelve pounds. That's, that's very like, affordable, and it seems like big. Uh, there's a lot to unlock. I'm not even close. Like, I've done, like, three runs and died each time and, like, had a really awesome time. And as soon as I've died, I've just started again. I Sounds love it. Good. So Switch is good. And so they're all on the Nintendo Store. They are all on the Nintendo Store. Uh, I think if Slime Sand isn't out, it's out very soon. Right. Um, uh, but I'm really enjoying that, too. It's brilliant. I love the Switch. It's yeah. nuts. I love the Switch as well. I'm still playing Zelda. Like, Same. It's madness. I put like three hours in on the weekend just walking up hills. Really? Yeah. What it's are you doing brilliant. Then? Just put on, I put on my Heroes Quest tracker mm. and just yeah. like, oh, I haven't been in this hill yet. Go walk up there. You like, know, there's a shrine, there's a Korok seed. Because you know, everyone talks about uh, that thing when Skyrim came out. It was like, finally, you could point at a mountain and say, you want to go up that mountain? Yeah. You could go up the mountain. Yeah. And... I remember playing that game and like after about, I, I played a long time, yeah. but like after a while you just go, I don't care. Like yeah. what's going to be up there? Yeah. Who cares? For some reason in Zelda, I actually like just going for a walk. Right. I just. Because it's freaking beautiful. Oh, it's so it's nice. It's gorgeous. All I'm doing now is just upgrading all my armor. So yeah. I'm just waiting until well, nighttime. All that. Have you found the that's big the horse? Because I just found the big horse. I've still not yes. found the big horse. You got the big horse. I haven't got it. Oh, you can't. I don't think you can keep it for good. Yeah, yeah. You, I, <gasps> you register him in you the can. stable. I got a big. Oh, fuck you can't keep the king of the mountain. Not the white one. No, not the king not of the mountain. The, yeah, 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 but yeah, just yeah. the one who's like three yeah, 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 horses yeah. tall. Yeah. I've still never. Even, He's got unlimited stamina. You can run forever. I've still never yeah, even never... seen a bear. Really? And I know there are bears, and I know they you can ride them. Hard. Oh. They took so many um, arrows to take down. They're like Lynels, furry Lynels. I'm not sure I've seen a bear either. Yeah, and I've spent a lot of time playing in the mountains. Go to the wilderness. It's all the wilderness. The blizzardy wilderness. The blilderness. Oh, the blilderness. Go to the blilderness. Hunt a bear. They're tough as nails. Yeah. I don't think I've seen a bear. That's the best thing. There was like a famous gift going around of uh, someone trying to tame a bear and they shot it with a fire arrow, then lit the bear on fire and the bear ran around and lit all the trees on fire. The forest is just on fire with this raging flame bear. So good. They are tough. What a great game. That's amazing. I can't believe it exists i know and we have it in our pockets Do you know what the terrifying thing is that like what if mario comes out and it's just very good like if it's not because like zelda's so far beyond very yes, good yeah. exactly yeah 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 i know it said it set the bar pretty high hasn't imagine it? making a, a mario like a mario game look like shit by comparison <laughs> that's tough <laughs> that is tough yeah but don't even tempt fate with that one no I'm, it's gonna I, be great it's gotta be the best t-rex on that <laughs> i can't believe you're still playing pokemon Pokemon Go. Yeah. That's literally on our agenda. It's not next, but we can skip to it if you want. Well, it's just let's dive felt right like in. the right point to go to it. All I right, agree. let's absolutely go. I got my Pokewalker on right now. So, like, Do you ever take it off? Uh, no, can it go in the never. shower? I shower in it. Can uh, it actually go in the shower? No, I don't think so. Oh. Unless you want those water Pokemon. <laughs> Get out. Oh, sorry. Um, so uh, Pokemon Go and Niantic have released this new feature in the game. Do you guys know a lot about the raids that they've released? I've read about the raids. I don't know a lot. So this was in line with their Pokemon Go celebratory event, which was a nightmare. <laughs> if you don't know what happened at that event, it was pretty bad. But there was a little golden egg that was hatched out of that, which is these raids. So to celebrate, I guess, the one year of Pokemon Go, they um, started releasing legendary Pokemon yep. into the world. 
one week at a time. So the first one was Articuno, and he was available for one week, and then it was Moltres, and then now um, it's my Zapdos, and I caught a Zapdos, which is really great. Is that the first legendary you caught? Yeah, I tried all the other ones so many my, times. My favorite thing really in the last unlucky. couple of weeks has been uh, Rory ever so often being like, yeah, I'm just gonna go for uh, <laughs> just gonna go for lunch early, and we're like, oh, we'll come and get lunch. I was like, really? We go, Shit. We go all uh, the way down to Tesco, <laughs> and we all buy lunch. And then we're all heading back. And we're like, oh, we could start playing Overwatch. And we're always like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go Tower Bridge, catch them all dress. I'm going to lie to you guys. <laughs> Didn't think you were going to come with me here. <laughs> I just turned my cap backwards and walk into the sunset. Um, so it's, it's a really cool idea because obviously everyone wants to catch these legendary birds. And what you have to do is um, at gyms all over your map, they yeah. will appear for maybe an hour, two hours. And what happens is within that time frame, people have to go and team up together at that location to battle together to take down the legendary Pokemon. Yeah. So like the first day it came out, I was like, oh, okay, so there's an Articuno apparently at the train station down there. Well, I'll just go like swing by and see if anyone's doing it. So I walked down the street, it was only like seven minutes away. And even when I got to the corner, I could see a crowd of people right outside the station. So I was kind of getting closer and I was like, is this all just for Articuno? And I was like, no, it's a train station. There's going to be more yeah. people there. So I was standing there for a while just They're on my phone. trying to catch a train. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Got to catch them all. Yeah. Um, I was standing there with my phone out. And then one guy from across the street was here. He just goes, are you here for Articuno? That's unbelievable. I know. And oh. I was like, I was like, yeah. And he <laughs> just looked at me and just went, you got 15 seconds and we're going in. I just ran across the street and like joined the lobby. It was like full with like 20 people. And you just look around and like everyone's on their phones, like all these people. And it's everyone. Cause we we're in quite a, like a business, like yeah. heavy mm. part of London. So it was, you know, it was uh, strangers, like just packed 20 year olds, some like 40 year old businessman, you know, Jesus. like transport for London. London workers, just everyone out on the street, like trying to take down these legendary Pokemon. Wow. So you're all kind of, you're, you all fight together and you can see everyone's Pokemon all fighting to take it down. They say 20 people is good, but it, you know, six to eight really strong people and you can take it down. Wait, didn't you say you didn't get Articuno though? Yeah, so this is how it works. You all work together to defeat uh, the legendary Pokemon or any Pokemon, whatever mm. it is you're raiding against. Um, and then after it's defeated, its level will drop much like in the Pokemon games when you have to uh, get them weak before you can start mm. actually catching them. Yeah. Um, so then at the end of the raid, depending how your team did, uh, you're given a certain amount of these Pokeballs, they're like white Pokeballs, I'm not sure what they're called, but they give you somewhere between like five to 10 chances to catch this legendary. Oh, yeah. So it, it can be really tough sometimes. I Like for Moltres, I did six, seven raids and I didn't catch one. Oh shit. And I'm like feeding it berries, shoving them down his throat, just like <laughs> get in the ball. Uh, so afterwards it's kind of tense as well because everyone with your rating, you're rating with is around a circle and everyone's just like not speaking while you see these fingers trying to throw Pokeballs. <laughs> I had one guy when I was trying to catch uh, my Moltres, we were all doing it just in complete silence. And afterwards he just goes, yes, <laughs> yes. And then just like was running down the street, like absolutely oh God. like on cloud nine. It's. I know there's a lot of issues with Pokemon Go and the app, and you know you can see from the event they planned, but 
to have experiences like that where I can just go in London and there's a whole pack of strangers. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. It's so that cool. Like it's really cool. And every yeah. time afterwards, you just have people just being like, oh, like, let me see what Pokemon you have. Like, what's your favorite? It's just weird being in a city where events like this just pop up every day yeah. and just Pokemon fans just gather and they were like, oh, are you on the Discord app for like London trainers and like little talks like that? It's really cool. So I think like, like I excuse a lot of the issues with the app because they're doing something that no game has done for me before. And I think that's really cool. It's the first time since it came out where I've been tempted to go back because it sounds definitively different. Like yeah. it sounds like something else is happening in that game now, Yeah, which it, it didn't for so long. Cause it was weird because like we play Overwatch basically every lunchtime. There's a couple lunchtimes where I'll just um, go out by my own and just go to a couple of these raids. And on my way back, everyone's like, oh, how was it? And I was like, that was amazing. I was like, there was all these guys and we took down this giant bird and I almost caught it. It was really, really cool. And also, I think this is a really cool thing that they've added because Pokemon Go has like a steep entry level because if you haven't played it before and you come in now, you're just going to catch weak Pokemon. You won't be yeah. able to take a gym. But because this is everyone working together, you can still die in the raid and get rewards. Cool. So you're not actually like fighting against other people. It's just a CPU. It's still like doing um doing like a raid in Destiny or something. Mm. You know, you're all working as a team. It's not like PvP. And no one's gonna like lose out because even if it doesn't go exactly, like, right. yeah, yeah. There's still things you can gain That's just cool. from doing it. So it's cool. It's really cool. And I think if you uh, were out of the game and you want to hop back in, this is a good time because there's some cool stuff going on. Nice. Does it yeah. still destroy your battery? Yeah, absolutely. Rinses it. <laughs> That's one of the main reasons absolutely. I stopped. You know, what? I was at um the MCM Comic Con in um what was that april june may whatever uh <laughs> april J moon classic. 2012 whatever classic summer <laughs> just in summer uh, and they were selling they were like pokemon go themed portable chargers and right. they're like giant pokeballs you just plug your phone into so the idea is like you can clip a pokeball on your belt and just walk around oh and then be like God. i need That's my one of the charge worst things i've ever heard i bought four i was gonna say i could see you doing that. a whole belt yeah. it's like yeah and then I've got badges on the inside of my jacket, Fucking a hell. cap to twirl around. We've yeah. got to stop this. Okay. Uh, Al, you've only got five minutes before you have to go, apparently, don't you? That's the incorrect time. Is it? Yeah. Who's changed that clock? Joe, oh, you've got ages. Joe, if you don't like him, just say it to his face. Al, have to be like, could you fuck off this <laughs> yes, I will do. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I'm glad that you you get to stay. That's good. I was, really, I was really worried looking at that. I don't know who's changed that clock, though. No, Let's I don't not know. talk about the clock. Is it Gav's we? fault? <coughs> Everything's, Gav's, Everything's fault. Gav's fault. Good. Uh, well, I'm going to talk quickly about uh, Overwatch. Do it, yes, I know it's not allowed, but like Summer Games was um, re-released, but with some of the fucking coolest skins I've seen so far. They're brilliant. Absolutely, hands down. Um, I bought Soldier as soon as it came out, or Dad Seven. You spent the 3K on it. I absolutely did, Rory. Did you not want to like play the season to see if you got him? We've no. already talked to him about this because okay. uh, like, he's got some faulty logic about it. No, because. <laughs> By the time I've seen all these other motherfuckers with that, because that's what happens. I don't get anything till right at the end. Yeah. See everybody else with it. I'm like, oh, I'm bored of that skin now. <laughs> so I'm going to get in there early because I've got the cash. Yeah. Um, and because the duplicates thing is now sorted, I'm not worried about getting dupes of it. And hopefully I'll get something else instead. Yeah. Mm. Fair play, actually. Because as well, like, Soldier is one of your mains. Yeah. If you want the skin, just buy the skin. Exactly, Joe. Duplicates thing actually makes sense. And how many boxes do you buy? I bought 50. Exactly. I always with buy 50. Real cash. Yeah. And I just used fake money. Because I'm like having giving... a go at me. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's bullshit, mate. Did you get any good ones? Oh, you got the junk rat. I got junk rat. I got Widowmaker. I got. Reaper. Reaper. 
Thank mm. you. Those are my those are my three big new ones, and I got the two new highlight intros nice. as well. Nice. Oh, it's worth mentioning as well that they they've brought back Lucio Ball. Yeah. But they've tweaked it now this time. So Lucio Ball the first time. I mean, some people enjoyed it, but it was a, it was a it was goddamn terrible. mess. Yeah. It was bad Rocket League is what it was. I mean, um, it still is. It's still bad it's Rocket, still Rocket, Rocket, Rocket League. League. But, it's, it's, but it's more bearable. Yeah. Yes, much more bearable. Especially, you know, if you're grinding to try and get the arcade loot boxes. I've done all nine really of them now. Yeah, Really I, good idea. Well, all nine things to get three loot boxes. Yeah. Yes. But it's yeah. playable. And yeah. actually, you know what? Like the first time I played it, I was like, this is luck. This is booping a ball around till it goes in someone's goals. Until mm. I played against a team who were using the jump pads. And did you know that as Lucio, if you use a jump pad and ride along the walls, you can make it across the map in a second. These guys were uh, roll, wall riding oh, nice. to get down the map like right. b- quicker than I could just get down there. That's like, really cool. I got destroyed by them. It was like 6-1 because they actually had strategy and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and playing. Well, so I don't know, maybe we should give it another shot. It's fun see. playing with people as well. We were playing last night and like just had a few really good games. And I, yeah. like, I came away from it being like, if I've only got four minutes to play Overwatch, I don't have enough time to play no. a mm-hmm. quick play. Like yeah. That's actually, a, I genuinely enjoy that. Time yeah, spent but in that's Lucia why I liked now. Eliminations. Yes. Right, with the, the maze, snowball fight, and whatever the other one. On, oh, on God, one. maze, snowball fight. I forgot I about that, that one. Uh, and then the 2v2. <laughs> no, was it? Uh, what was the other one? Oh, it was the 3v3, wasn't it? That's Which is still one. around. Like, it occasionally pops up yeah. in arcade. See, I, I, yeah. I love that, yeah. I yeah, wish they kept the... new the, maps they had. I wish they the arena kept, maps. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I wish they kept the... Um, the story stuff, Junkenstein's Revenge, and that uh, the Golden Years of Overwatch one. Yeah, the Uprising. Uprising, yeah. God, that was so much fun. That was yeah. really. That cool. was a blast. I hope they bring more of that in the future. They're definitely going to do some more lore stuff. Like um, so. they keep talking about it, and now that they're like with Arisa and Doomfist, <laughs> like those are actually pushing the lore forwards now. Like as far as the game's lore is concerned, I think we're now up to like present day for Overwatch like when they're going to recall and stuff oh, so I think that might be that. a thing this year when it's like the real battle coming together yeah. that'd be amazing I think it'd be really cool and what Gamescom's what a week and a half away so hopefully and we'll see some more stuff Blizzard, oh, another Blizzard have said they're at Gamescom as well so okay. I imagine think. another cinematic because we were there last year at Gamescom when they announced the last Bastion oh, crying it was Bastion. like <laughs> six grown men weeping at a CGI robot we were all really <laughs> hung over though yeah that was most of it I think and, and then, we were recording um Recording vocals for videos under tables and stuff. As <laughs> yeah, games go, it was a weird time <laughs> in all of our lives. Also, Doomfist is great. Doomfist so is great. wicked. We all love him. He's very good. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about the Defenders? Yes. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Defenders. I've watched the first two episodes, and I'm happy to say, <laughs> are you happy? They're a bit shit. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> such a weird thing, right? I'll preface all of this by saying Cooper has watched episode three as well and says it actually is good fun. Yeah. And like back towards what we like about Marvel Netflix. My issue with the first two episodes of The Defenders, without getting into plot spoilers, is that none of them see each other (laughs) until the end of episode two. Yeah. Like, so they're all just hanging around being boring Netflix characters without much of an agenda. Yeah. Like, it's like watching them all in their downtime. Oh, like, like uh, Daredevil starts off by because at the end of season two he's renounced being Daredevil. He's not doing that anymore. So we're just watching Matt Murdock be a bit sad because he's not Daredevil and he wishes he still oh was. God. Right. Luke Cage. Well, also at the end of Luke Cage, he gets sent to prison. It doesn't stay the same for very long. <laughs> it doesn't seem like any consequences happen in the Netflix super universe. Jessica Jones is just being fucking irritating as usual. Yeah. And boozy. Iron Fist. I mean. 
Oh, Christ alive. The first scene of the whole series is a very, very bad fight scene, and obviously Iron Fist's involved. <laughs> it's just so, it's so disappointing, because I was, I was excited for the Defenders as... Uh, I like Daredevil. I had my problems with Jessica Jones, but mm. whatever. Luke Cage, I thought, was good first four episodes. And Iron Fist, we don't need to talk about it. But even Iron Fist, I was excited to see in that group. Yeah. Yeah. Even if they're just making fun of him, which they well, should. It's such a shame because you think companies are moving towards realizing this. If you have all of these characters have had their own shows, and if you're bringing them all together, you're going to go ahead and assume that the people watching that have seen the individual shows. Mm. Episode one, bring them together. Oh. They don't need any more like character development. They've been developed. Exactly. Like seasons of development. Yeah. Bring them together for the um, show where they're together. Yeah. And it's, there's a sort of, there's a vaguely tantalizing mystery around what evil person Sigourney Weaver is doing. Right. She has something to do with the hand, as we all <gasps> the know. Hand? The hand? The legendary hand. <laughs> um, and. It's Doomfist. It's just Doomfist. <laughs> She's Doomfist. And man, that would be so much better. Um, <laughs> but, I, like, I'm going to watch the rest because I'm a sucker. No, I, um, I think that's fine. But it's, it is a disappointing opening to the season. Yeah. And with that in mind, <laughs> let's listen to an interview that me and Krupa did with the showrunner of the show. Now, bear in mind that both of us have only seen the first two episodes. And so all of our questions, you'll notice we never actually say it's good <laughs> to the to the showrunner. It's a, it was an awkward interview. He's very nice, though. I want to. I will say that he's a lovely man, and I've set this up badly. <laughs> Bye. So this is um, well, two seasons of Daredevil. Um, this is like the fifth season of the Netflix shows, almost, um, and the culmination of where they've been going to. Like, can you talk about like how you've been involved in the Netflix Marvel stuff so far? Yeah, uh, I've been really fortunate. I, I've been involved since the very beginning, since. Uh, day one of Daredevil season one writer's room. Um, so, I mean, maybe the people who've been involved longer include Drew Goddard and Jeff Loeb, who, and Jeff Loeb who went and sold it to Netflix. But, uh, but yeah, I've been there since that very first day when we're all looking at each other like, okay, well, this is cool. Um, uh, and uh, I remember the in the middle of the first day in the first conversation, Jeff was around and in the room, in the writer's room with, with all of us. And he at some point mentioned, somebody brought up an idea that was really big and really cool. And at some point he mentioned like, that's that's big, but that's I think that's the kind of thing that we're going to probably do later, like way later in The Defenders. And so uh, we've always, every writer's room has kind of had this understanding that this thing is coming. It's kind of like the Olympics or a trip to <laughs> Disneyland in a way. It's like, yeah, 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 we'll get there someday, kids. Um, and so it's really kind of full circle to be able to be the guy who's now writing it. What's that kind of like, tension is maybe the wrong word, but like working on those individual shows, obviously wanting to tell your own story, do your own thing with that character, but knowing you might need to get that character in this place because this thing's coming. Like, how restrictive are, is the planning for the Defenders? Or is each showrunner being like, do your own thing and we'll figure it out when we come to it. Yeah, I think each showrunner is, is allowed to tell the story they want to tell with, with their own season. You know, they want to tell the, the story for their character that's the best. We were never kind of told, you know, this specifically needs to happen here so that Cheo Coker can do this in Luke Cage season two. It, mostly the, the, the parameters for, the, for me and for the writer's room were um, just get the car back uh, in one piece. <laughs> like, don't, don't kill anyone. Don't, well, or just also just like, don't break the windows, don't scratch it, don't dent it. Like we need, or you can scratch it, dent it, you can make that, you can bloody them up, surely, but like we need, we need Luke Cage to still be Luke Cage at the end of this so that when we launch him back into season two or Jessica Jones back into season two of their shows, um, you know, all the, all the working parts are there. Uh, that said, there's still, you know, in the serialized story of it all, the, the events of the Defenders will affect 
you know, emotionally will affect them in their own shows. It's not like they're going to get there and kind of forget everything that ever happened on Defenders. The, ideally, I guess, the, the plan is in 10 years when somebody's sitting down to watch these shows for the first time, they can watch them and do the super binge and watch them for a, yeah. a full month and, uh, and do, you know, Daredevil, I guess, in like the machete order of it, it would go Daredevil, Jessica, Daredevil 2, or I don't know where Luke fall. I think Luke came after that. Then then Fist, right? Like whatever the order is, then Defenders. Then I don't know what JJ two, Luke two. So so ideally, it would feel like you're, if you're tracking characters, their arcs would all kind of seamlessly go from yeah. one to the other. So that the logic of it is is always sound, but also just emotionally, it always feels like oh yeah, no, that person's affected by the thing that happened on that well, other. This show. is the point where like this is becoming very like the thing it's based on comics. Yeah. Where you've got these massive serializations, and you follow, you can you can chart this character's development, right. but also in a sense, it doesn't really matter as well. You want it to be right. like I don't know who says it. Maybe it's Jeff Loeb or thing, but it's like every issue could be a person's first issue. Yeah. So you almost want it to be simultaneously. You can jump in and have a good time. Well, that's it. Like the the Netflix shows, the individual you know the individual character ones always feel quite disparate. You know, mm-hmm. Luke Cage feels like a very different show yeah. to Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. They've got a very different tone. Like even you know down to soundtrack, down to look, mm-hmm. so sort of wrangling that stuff. Like, I could just watch one of those and then come into the Defenders and, like, it feels like you could keep track with, like, where all those other people have come from mm-hmm. and just enjoy your favourite character in there as well. Is that part, was that part of your plan? I think so. I, in, in a weird way, I think the Defenders had to be this, uh, like, universal power adapter of sorts, or like a universal remote, where it had to work for the person who hadn't seen any of the shows and would just come into the Defenders. It had to work for the person who's just seen Daredevil, and is coming to the Defenders. It had to work for the person who's only seen Iron Fist. You know what I mean? It had to work for... That sounds really hard to do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it was. (laughs) It was. But, I mean, we really had to think about that anytime we were doing something like, you know, uh, the reveal or the reintroduction of any of the supporting characters from any of the other shows or something, because we have to think, like, oh, not everybody's going to know who Foggy is or who Misty is or who Colleen is. So we had to, like, kind of give them their own introduction or, you know, really, really punctuate an introduction and let people know, like, this person's important, just in case you don't know. But at the same time, you don't want to overring the bell because you don't want people who know exactly who it is to feel like why are you reminding me who foggy is i know who foggy is um so it was this like weird writing well, like i guess you kind of solve that in the first episode because you have foggy meeting a character he's never met so it's kind of an elegant way of solving that because they would naturally reintroduce himself he's not going to reintroduce himself right. to matt <laughs> exactly um, a lot of good a lot of good so writing okay. tricks there <laughs> hey remember me <laughs> it's me foggy your best friend <laughs> Um, but how do you come, like like Joe was saying, each of those shows has um, a different like tone to it and a different like style and different soundtrack. How do you go about combining them and creating something new from those disparate quantities? It was a challenge, and uh, it was a weird kind of challenge because it really hadn't... It, it's not like I could look at something else on TV and say, oh, we'll do it like they did it, because uh, it hasn't really been done before this way. There have been spin-offs of TV shows. You know, Frasier was spun off of Cheers, but... It's not like they spun Frasier into Cheers. You know, it's not like there was the Norm show, the Sam Malone show. And I love that I'm bringing in Cheers. Like it's like even <laughs> no, you can talk like, about Cheers all yeah. day long. Let's, you know what? Let's just talk about Cheers. They, they, they actually <laughs> brought themselves into a corner with Frasier because um, they, they brought his dad back to life. Because in Cheers, yeah. he said his I dad had died and he I didn't have this. a brother. Yeah, and then he's Marvel like, and Netflix are so happy we're talking about <laughs> Cheers. Right I'm, now. I'm, I'm, now I'm just imagining Frasier meeting up with Joey yeah. and like a big team up of all these like spin off. Um, yeah. um, oh, wait, where were we? Oh, yeah. So the the. The idea that was something that was really rough, and I mean, it had been done in in movies. You could argue, and like the, specifically in the Avengers movies, which you know everyone wants to make comparisons to, with this one. Um, but we, we, it hadn't been done in TV, and so it really felt like this this really daunting challenge on day one. 
And uh, some of the trick of it was, I mean, it was really daunting. And, and myself and the writers, we, we thought about it a lot. Marvel TV, Netflix, everyone thought about it. Like, what the, we, we've promised the people this Defenders thing. We've made four super distinct shows. How are we going to tie these things all into the one thing? Um, and it's very easy and very exciting to talk about. But when you actually sit down and have to make it, you have to make the dinner. You're like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Uh, and, and what I think we, I, I realized, what we realized early on was, luckily, that the problem was actually the solution. And so the, the thought being, yeah, they are very different shows. There's no, it doesn't actually aesthetically, tonally make tons of sense that J.J. would be sitting across from Danny Rand and Jessica Jones could you look at his chiefest and uh, you know understand what that meant. Like that just doesn't, those things don't fit. It doesn't compute in a way. Um, they're like clashing patterns. Uh, but at the same time, like, no, that's actually the fun of the show. The fun of the show is J.J. looking at Danny Rand's fist and saying, the fuck is that thing? You know, that, that's, that's the fun. So once we realize, no, 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 let's lean into the problem. Um, I think that's where, the, that's where the show was really born in surfing the differences and using the tension between the worlds of Luke and Daredevil or the, or the, the worlds of, of, of Luke and, and Iron Fist. And we certainly, I think, hit a lot of those along the way in the first four episodes. We, we use the tension to really build the, the partnership and then ultimately using a lot of great director tricks that are, that are early. The, the first directors, I think, the, for the first four specifically had a lot of challenges in, in melding these, these things together. Uh, using all those tricks, we kind of then eventually cohesively, weirdly, by the end of episode three, you start to get, oh my God, this is the tone of the Defenders. And it's it's weird that it only happens after two hours of TV, but I also love that it only happens after two hours of TV, because it's the kind of thing that, that Marvel and Netflix were both uh, really brave enough to, to, to be okay with us doing. And then also uh, the audience, I think, is okay with with some slow burn things, with some stuff not being spelled out. You know, it's, it's not like we needed yeah, the Defenders yeah. to all be sitting at the table five minutes into the show they i think i think we really luckily uh, again jeff drew goddard marvel uh, and netflix were all from day one on daredevil we had the conversation can we actually get away with not putting him in the suit for 12 episodes and we were like there's no way like marvel and netflix are gonna i mean there's no there's no way they're gonna let us get away with this shit and when they said yes, we were like, oh my God, we're gonna do something that's never been done in comics. And I think we knew, that, or, or in TV. Mm. And we knew then like, oh God, we're gonna get away with murder. <laughs> you know, we're, we're gonna, because the audience is really primed for sophisticated. That man without fear costume's amazing as well. It's awesome. It looks so yeah. cool. It looks cool on camera and it, it really helps the aesthetic of the show. And yeah, Charlie rocked it and it's great. <laughs> Just to go back a tiny bit, it sounded as though you don't necessarily want the comparisons to the Avengers in that sense? You said everyone's keen to compare it to that. I think so. Yeah, I mean, look, I've been doing a little press and, and everyone wants to ask, like, so is this really the Avengers yeah. of the TV world? And and I look, I, I love the Avengers. Mm. Uh, I, I remember when we all went to go see it and in the writer's rooms in the Marvel world, we came back and we were like, holy shit, whoever's doing the Defenders has to, you know, they really have to kind of at least get close to that and that, that like, they they nailed it. Whoever, the, the Defenders is going to be impossible. Um, weirdly enough, then I ended up being one of them to do it. Um, <laughs> But it's, I, I just think it's, it's an easy comparison to make, and it's certainly a, a, it's a great one. I'd love for this to be as successful as, it, as The Avengers. I'd love for, people, for the critics and the, and the audiences alike to love this as much as The Avengers. That would be wonderful. Um, but uh, the, the truth is, I just think that these eight hours of TV are very different than those two hours at the movies. Yeah. Um, and, and the reason we go to TV are very different than the reason we go to the, to the, to the Megaplex movies. So, and from day one, the, the world of the Defenders, be it J.J. or Luke or Iron Fist, like these, these are shows that happen, the, the action of these shows happens in back alleys, happens underground in the subways. You know, it, it's, it's, it's got a much more Sidney Lumet, French Connection feel than, uh, than the movies do. The movies are mm. big and they, there are explosions that are happening in skyscrapers. There's aliens in the sky. Like it's, it's big. Doctor Strange, like the, the, you know, the cities are folding in on themselves. It's Inception level shit. Um, but 
on the on these shows, it's much more ground level. Chael Coker, I know, talked about The Wire a lot when he was talking about Luke Cage. So in some ways, yeah, the framework of how we get all these people in the same room and how they're all battling one thing, yes, that's absolutely, uh, you know, it's, it's, I think it's fair to compare some, some stuff to The Avengers also because it's just one of the only kind of comparisons we can we can make really that, mm. that works really well um, but at the same time like the actual the show the dna of the show is really different than what yeah. the avengers is it's not there's you know there's no there's 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 no there's no jet there's no there's no headquarters you know this is this is very much a run and gun street level operation with people who are not you know they're not gods they're not they're not they're not those things well like you say it takes a while for them even to begin meeting each other right. so is it that the defenders is less of a team up show and more about a show where those four people coexist in a tangible way. I think so. Yeah, I think so. And, it, and a lot of it also is, I mean, look, it's been, I don't know how many months it's been, maybe 11 months since Luke came out and definitely at least a year, I think, since JJ came out, season one. Yeah. Um, and so it's, and to some capacity, it's just, in some capacity, it's just like catching up with these people that we love that we haven't seen mm. in a long time. So I, I think one of the reasons that uh, Marvel and Netflix were both okay with us taking time and just just having a bunch of scenes that were just JJ and just just Luke uh, was because the, the reactions had been so great. People loved those characters so much that they knew the audience was going to be perfectly fine with just following JJ for, you know, before she actually gets into super team action. Uh, so, yeah, in that weird way, I actually think the fans have, have done us a, a wonderful service or done themselves a service. And because you've been in the writer's room since day one on Daredevil, is there anything, was there anything thrown down in that room where it's like, we need to build the hand up because that's going to be the kind of antagonist in the defenders. What were kind of the stuff that was laid early on for the defenders? It it definitely felt like um, Marvel knew that the, the the you know the thing that Stick would mention in the defenders or in uh, in Daredevil season one to Matt like I'm going to prepare you for the 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 war for yeah, New York or the war of New York yeah. or the battle. Of New- one of those, the something for New York, um, felt like, oh, that's the Defenders. So I felt like, no, we're plugging it now, but, and, and in a cool way, you know, for the audience who's watching Daredevil 1, not maybe realizing in four or five years, in four or five years, the Defenders is coming out, like, we're plugging it now. We're saying, no, 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 trust me, the Super Bowl is coming. The, this, we're preparing you for this other thing. Um, so they knew that, and Stick has clearly always been somebody who's been going up against the hand. So uh, that was that was part of it, uh, and and it definitely felt like part of the plan was it's the defenders versus a big bad, and certainly if Stick is the one who's going to be involved, and Stick has always been battling the hand, you know, two and two together aren't it wasn't too hard, but in terms of what the details of any of that war were, who was going to survive before we got there, you know, none of, I don't know that there was any that there was any specific plan. It just it's again really has organically happened, and so the. You know, JJ Mel was a was kind of Mel made Jessica Jones what what she wanted it to be. Luke uh, was made by Ch- Chael Coker at the time like, to to what he wanted it to be. And so all these characters have kind of they were organically been handed to these different creators, and they've done things much like in comics, where somebody just gets a yeah. run, and then you you kind of read that run, and then the next person gets a run, um, and you just build off of those. Uh, well, so, I was thinking comics like the character is the amalgamation of all those people's work, like. Mm. Yeah. Spider-Man is, you know, he isn't what just Stan Lee made and Steve Ditko. He's the amalgamation exactly. of 50, 60 right. years of continuous storytelling, and that's what Spider-Man right. is. Right, and that's what I think excites a lot of comic book writers and TV writers, too, is just the thought, like, oh, God, I could be yeah, one of the names, uh, one of the 50 who, who got to babysit Spider-Man for a while and, and you know, then hand it off to the next person. If you're, like, a, a comic book nerd or just a nerd in general and people listen to this podcast and, like, thinking about making one of these shows, obviously it's such an amazing, like, sandbox to play in. 
What kind of restrictions are there on like what characters? What characters are like taken by the movies? You know they're on the movies, but then in the Daredevil season two, like Punisher appeared, and that was yeah. a, like it was an amazing announcement that Punisher now exists in this world, and you know he might never have appeared in the Marvel Cinematic Universe because he doesn't quite fit. What are those conversations around who owns those characters? Like, the, those are all. I mean, I'll give you a really boring answer, which is that those are all happening at like corporate levels that are beyond. Mm-hmm us the artists in in a way that's all that's all you know marvel tv marvel film having those conversations and like i'm very happy when they come and say hey we got this you want this to play with you know i was so happy when they said would you be cool with electra and punisher for daredevil season two i did a fucking backflip (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's all right yeah yeah Yeah, i've heard of those um but uh yeah no those are happening in like i I like to say those are happening at the like the, the rooftop restaurant and i'm standing in the parking lot somewhere i love the idea that there's some there's some guy who's like chief street level officer and he's like i he's the guy wrangling all the guys you're allowed to use on yeah the, yeah on the netflix series that's quite fun is there anything um specifically from the comics that you wanted to translate into the show like obviously the iron fist luke cage relationship is a huge thing in the comics mm-hmm. there were i mean i think if there were if there were two if i had to pick two um certainly it's something I wanted, but also it's just a certain expectation. Uh, yeah, Luke Cage and Danny Rand have a relationship. So it felt like that that was one of the really important things that I knew we, we were gonna have to do. Like if we if we tried to if if we tried to avoid it or do something interesting or cheeky or different, like the audience was gonna be really pissed. So that felt like one. And then another one, which is maybe lesser but really important to me, and it was was one of my ways into understanding what we were gonna be doing in the Marvel Netflix TV world, was the Matt Jessica relationship. And even though I know they don't have a history to relationship the way that Danny and Luke do, I remember um, I mean, I think the Bendis run of, of JJ's of Alias is just one of the coolest comics ever made and one of the coolest stories ever told in comics. And uh, that moment where he, where, where Matt walks in and, and basically says, I'm your lawyer to JJ. And you watch, you're watching, the, you're like, oh God, she exists in that world. And there's Matt. Um, it's one of those great, I'm not sure if it's a splash page or not, but, but it's one of those moments in comics where you're just like, oh God, it's all connected. And that, being able to do that moment, which is now in the trailer and I can talk about it, being able to do that moment felt like, this is this is the reason I, as an audience member, would come to the defense. And people got it immediately. Remember when the trailer launched? That 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 those pages circulated. Going, yeah, yeah. It's this moment. They've done it. Yeah. yeah. It happens all the time. Sometimes it happens, and it's on purpose. I'll be honest. Like sometimes we we try to replicate a panel, and I'll send a screenshot of a panel from a comic, and 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 Jeff Loeb will be all about it, and I'll and we'll send it to the art department and say and to DP and say like this is what we're trying to do here. So everyone gets oh that's what we're trying to do. And sometimes I've, I want to say like twenty percent of the time we do it by accident. Yeah. And uh, we end up. I mean, there's there's one moment that I think Charlie has talked about before where right before the big hallway fight in 102 of Daredevil uh, the big one shot thing he, he does this thing where he like runs his hand across the wall and, and Charlie was still catching up with reading a lot of, a lot of comics well I mean it's, it's kind of an impossible job like yeah. hey, can, you, can you read all the comics before we start shooting um, and I don't think he had read or seen these yet and I forget exactly which one it's in but he eventually like later caught after shooting that he caught up to some panel where he saw a thing where Daredevil walks in and like puts his hand in the very similar way that he had done so some of these things are kind of accidental some of these things are just kind of in the culture of the world of what yeah. we know we're making and we kind of accidentally reference other things there's certainly a bunch of very specific very famous uh, and awesome panels referenced in the Defenders on the flip side there must be something really like pleasurable at the, about the idea of being able to subvert expectations totally. from what people want. Like, yeah. is there anything in particular that you kind of set out to? This is going to be our defender's idea. Like, that we're going to set a kind of new tone for a relationship or a, or a set of events. Is there anything that uh, stands out? 
Well, I, th I think we, I th just to take one, I think furthering that Matt-JJ relationship mm. is one thing I, I know I was always really excited about. I just, I also felt like the tones of their individual worlds and their shows were, of the four, to me, the tones of those two shows actually matched in a way that yeah. it, wasn't, it yeah. wasn't such a mashup. I could have actually imagined Matt walking into JJ's world or JJ walking mm. into Matt's world. You know, JJ could have walked into Daredevil season two and been like, here's everything I know on The Punisher and you know, get the fuck out of my office. Like <laughs> she, she could have still, there's something about that that could have happened. Um, so it felt just from the very beginning, I, th I feel like the, ref the cinematic references that each of those two shows made uh, from the film noir stuff that she does and the kind of, you know, the dog day afternoon stuff that, that we did on, on Daredevil, uh, that kind of matches. So that was something that I always knew was really exciting. Um, I also felt from the very beginning when Jeff said, how about, how do you feel about writing Defenders? One of my first instincts was, oh my God, I get to write Jessica Jones. Um, so not to just go on about that, but um, again, I love the comic so much uh, that I was really excited to do that. So that was one, um, it's, I don't know, it's hard, I'm hard pressed to think about other stuff. Some of the Electra stuff also felt like, oh my God, we're gonna get to do some of this cool Electra stuff. But then also, you know, Elektra in the comics is super iconic and has, has been incredible. But when you film something, it kind of, especially in a really gritty, round, grounded world, you kind of have to do different things in order to really sell it as realistic mm. in, in this world. We couldn't have her running around in a bikini. Um, you know, with the with the headband. Yeah, there's a lot of comics from the late 80s, early 90s. You go, probably not going to do that. Just I mean, look, I, I'm a, the comic looks great in the comics. You know, it, it, the, the art looks wonderful. She looks great. It's, it's incredible. Uh, all that's awesome. The Frank Miller of it all is great. Uh, but when it comes to actually shooting something in real life, it's a completely different medium. And so the the world we set up in Daredevil 1, the world that we set up with JJ, or that I didn't, I didn't set up, but that people set up with JJ, um, it just doesn't feel like somebody walks in in a bikini holding a sigh, saying, hey, it's me. You just, it just feels like it's a different, we set up a different aesthetic, a different tone. It would just feel like a, a clashing, out-of-tune instrument. So some of the stuff that, so all that is to say, some of the stuff that we do in Defenders with, with Electra, I'm actually really excited about visually. Because, uh, yeah, not just in her fighting style, but it, but it, some, of the, some of the performance stuff we get from Elodie is great. Um, like... The Netflix shows have like come to be known for these like really flowing action sequences. The the two sequences in Daredevil, actually the Punisher one in the prison as well, is it's amazing. Um, I remember the first time I watched like absolutely shots and it's like they actually did that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. um, from the trailer, people know that there's a, a you know all of them in a the hallway having this long flowing action scene. And yeah. It seems like people are going to be talking about that one. Can you go into the shooting and planning and how you execute a huge action sequence like that? Uh, restricted space. Yeah, I mean, look, most of it is just it, as a writer and as a showrunner and as a producer. Most of <laughs> you just go fight in hallway. <laughs> there you go, lads. There you go. Bye. See you later. Uh, no, some of it. I mean, it's from my perspective. It's 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 kind of some of the easiest stuff is what I get to do. Is is I'm sitting in a room with a bunch of writers and we're just talking about. I remember I remember Drew Goddard talking about Old Boy and talking about Wonners and and oh, wouldn't it be cool if we did this and and you know just just talking about the cinema of it is really fun and coming up with an idea or even a, it's almost like a in a musical like you this is how this number will work right so so even just thinking about the 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 stairwell fight in Daredevil two or or any of those it's just like it'll be a descent to hell and and you know as he goes lower and lower the lights will get darker and the fucking chain will be cool and he hits a light with a chain and guys in biker jackets are coming at him and he's throwing these dogs of hell and it's like the devil and hell and all this imagery. So we could talk about that for, for hours, you know, but it was, it was all just theoretical and stuff. So we wrote as much of, as, as that we could into a script. Um, we talked to our fight choreographer and, and cinematographer and said, this is kind of what we're going for. What was the rationale behind the one in The Defenders? You talk about the descent into hell. What was the... Uh, oh, I can't, well, 
Well, let me, let me, I'll get okay. to there in a sec. But, but just, just to go to this, it's a lot of theoretical, just like, this is what it should be like. And then these people that are super talented just go and do their thing. And these fight choreographers come up with this amazing stuff that takes 30 times longer than just me sitting in a room with a bunch of, right, you know, a bunch of nerds sitting around like, hey, and then wouldn't it be cool if, <laughs> then all these, these stunt performers and actors spend a week and a half learning the shit. So it's, and it's grueling on their bodies and they're putting pads on and they're getting slammed into walls and people are, you know, rigging ropes and yanking people and people are <laughs> breaking legs and busting their heads open to do this. And then the DP has to figure out how to shoot that on a TV schedule, which is very different than a, mm. than a film schedule and your, your resources are rather limited. Um, and the rest of the episode in some way has to, you know, find a way so that the resources can go to that sequence. Um, so all of that, all the really hard work happens after. Um, so, so all that is to say, like, I, you know, we come up with cool ideas and we, we try to throw them at them and then they come up with the execution. So we kind of do like 30% of it and then the 70% is everyone else doing all the other cool stuff. The one in the Defenders, to answer your, your other question, uh, I mean, without, without getting too into it, uh, it's, it's not... It was not a goal. It's never a goal, I think, in any of these shows to be like, now do the thing that you did last time. You know, the the sequence in in one hundred two of of Daredevil is very different than the sequence in two hundred three. I think it is. Of, you know, the stairwell. Um, it's, it's kind of not. It's we, we didn't go for the same oneer thing. You know, it's a different visual thing. The thing in um, the Defenders is really, even though it's an action packed moment, um, it's also largely emotional. And I think, and it's and it's largely kind of. It's the finally the coming together in, in, in the sequence that really feels like, oh my God, this is happening. And it's not in the dark and dingy, as you've seen in the trailer, it's not in the dark and dingy um, you know, underworld of the Russian mob the way that the Daredevil world does it. It's in this brightly lit building and it's just like, there's, no, there's nowhere to hide. And uh, that was kind of some of the idea, I think, behind it was like, I remember Peter Hoare, the guy who directed it, um, and, and uh, Matt Mullins, the guy who did the fight choreography. They just killed it. They just, they just, we built that hallway, and those guys just shot the crap out of it. And so it's, it's. I think it's really satisfying. But it's, it's um, the, the, ba the basic, the germ of the big idea was this is when those people really like. This is when we we turn it up to eleven, and this is where the defenders, the show, is really born. Um, I hope if that makes any sense. I hope that's also not too spoilery. No, I think, well, you can't deal with people. Some people find that a spoiler, but people find anything a spoiler these yeah, days. Yeah, sorry. It must be nice having that idea of, you know, obviously, as you say, all these, all these scenes, the, these iconic fight scenes are different in the way they're approached, the way they're filmed, all of that idea. But that through line of everyone expects this moment and they're really happy when they get it, mm -hmm. that must be really nice to work with, coming, especially coming into the, into the Defenders where you have these, like, four or five really iconic, scenes mm -hmm. and being able to go and here's the payoff mm -hmm. this is the moment where we get to see all of those dif disparate styles in one place mm -hmm. and all these different fighters like th that must just be awesome as a writer just to be it is to it is but the trick always is is it it isn't just to give the diehard i mean i love the diehard fans mm -hmm. i am one right but it isn't just to give the diehard fans something that they've been waiting for it's to give people who aren't necessarily diehard fans something they didn't realize they've been waiting for mm. so it's it's weirdly again to that rubik's cube analogy like we had to hit both things so even if you don't know or care who daredevil is or luke cage or you've never read a comic in your life the goal is at its very core you know I need I need an audience member to get excited about people coming together to do a cool to, to do one cool thing together, um, whether or not they care about the comic book histories or any of these people individual histories, you know. Um, so uh, so that's the real challenge too is making it hit both of those groups. Mm. I think we've got time for one final question. Is like the defender feels like the culmination 
of to use an MCU phrase, like phase, a phase one. one. Yeah. yeah. Um, like what what is after the Defenders? What does the Netflix future look like, or will the end of the Defenders kind of give you some sense of that? I have no. I mean, I have no answer in a large uh, way for that, in a large kind of broad perspective for that. That's all like Marvel and Netflix. Again, I'm in the parking lot washing cars, valet parking, <laughs> and there are conversations being had upstairs. Um, but uh, I do, what I do think is really satisfying about the Defenders is by the around the end of Defenders, I think um, it's, you know, <laughs> the goal is I really want people to be excited for the next season of JJ. I really want people to be excited for the next season of Luke and, and, uh, and you know, all these characters. This, this world, I just want people to be excited. Like, it's not the end. It's actually just the new beginning for the next thing, which is what comic books do in, in such a great way. It's what good TV does. If you could shout from the parking lot and ask for one character from the Marvel Universe, who would you like to canvas for? Oh man, I, I, you know, <laughs> this probably isn't the answer you want, but I miss Ben Urick every day. I really miss Ben. Um, and uh, his presence in the comics is, is, is really strong, and Vondi Curtis Hall was lovely, and just so talented and so good, and I, and I do miss that spiritual core. Um, I, know why, I know why he died on the show. I know, I know why it was important, and, I'm, and you know, in some ways, it's good storytelling, so I'm glad we did, but, but every so often, I'm just like, God, what would Ben Urich, <laughs> what would Ben Urich write about this? What would he say about this? How, what cool information would he have for us right now? So he's the one I think about all the time. Well, it is comics, and if you can yeah. bring Elektra back, surely you can bring Ben back. What? So there you go, Daredevil season three. <laughs> you broke it. There you right? go. I think you broke Just, it. Yeah. Bring me in. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank, Thank you, man. Thank you very Seriously. much. Thank you so much. Thanks. Well, wasn't that fun? He uh, calls Jessica Jones JJ all the time. That's pretty You'll cool. You'll have noticed. A sign I, of friendship. I didn't know perhaps. who he was talking about for a bit. Like right at the start, when he said JJ, I was like, <laughs> like JJ Abrams. Yeah. yeah. What's he got to do with it? <laughs> uh, but yeah, defenders is a shaky proposition and one that I hope you look forward to more than I do. Right. <laughs> there you go. What a sell. Yeah. I'm not selling anything. I'm just reporting. I'm a critic. All right. Feedback. Time for some feedback. I've got number one, and this is from Cole Krauss, who sounds like a Marvel character. It does. Uh, so Cole CC. writes... CC. CC JJ. <laughs> Cole writes, after listening to your last episode and hearing your disappointment about the lack of good responses regarding what people had on their walls during university, mm -hmm. I had to write in and share my story. My first day that I attended Ohio University, I got incredibly shit-faced, smashed, pissed in brackets. I like uh, it when people <coughs> have to kind of kowtow to our stupid slang. Yeah. It's great. He got shit Faced? Shit what, what, face. what is this shit face? Disgusting. Over his face. <laughs> <laughs> After managing Classic to stumble Ohio. my way back to my dorm, I collapsed into my bed and looked up. Written on the wall were the words, I love Leslie. <laughs> I was very surprised considering that uh, it wasn't, oh, it wasn't there it wasn't on there when I left. Apparently, at some point in time, someone had written those words with a glow-in-the-dark marker. I often, <laughs> I often spend my evening evenings wondering who Leslie was and who loved her slash him so much. I think mean, that's such a cute wow. ending. Just being like, you get back shit-faced, you're like, who loved Leslie? Yeah. Weird. Why a glow-in-the-dark pen as well? Plus, you wouldn't see it not during the day. No. Right? But then but also, that's, like, that's, is it so you can just not I think that's quite funny. But, like, I'd probably write something more sinister. I was going to say, what if it was just a prank? The person in the room 
it was that thing of like, oh, they got a crush on Leslie. So they just wrote it on in glow in the dark pen and yeah. stayed there for years. I, I think it was Dale because he su- subscribed to one of his loot box crates or something mm. like that. And he sent me this pen. He like gave it to me because he didn't want it in his box and I will accept any piece of crap that you is free. Well. Yes. It was like a Doctor Who pen and it's one of those pens where it's like a UV one so you can oh, write a message yeah. Yeah. and then shine it over it. And I think I might have drawn a, drawn a penis on your keyboard on your uh, your desk. He's pointing it out. So it might, like, that could be found. <laughs> but you can't draw on a black keyboard. Yeah, you can. If it's like a UV if it's like a UV, you still pen, see the that, penis that there. That work. I don't know. To this date, that dick right. might remain on the on the keyboard. Well, I don't have a UV light, unfortunately. Oh, damn. Foiled <laughs> <But> again. <laughs> Leslie goes unloved. But but were you foiled or kept in a job? <laughs> <laughs> but if I do find a UV light and I see um, a penis on my keyboard, I will fight. <laughs> More on penis watch so, as I so start Joe, penis watch. You could draw a penis on my keyboard now and it would get Rory fired. Interesting. Oh, the plot thickens. <laughs> Already better than the Defenders. It's like that Netflix one. Who we do? should talk about that yeah, we should talk very about briefly. It. I can't remember what it's called though. We'll talk about it next week. Okay. Alex D writes in saying, speaking of skills, you should be able to put on CV but can't. Oh, we should explain. Last okay. week. I guess um, that's what we were doing. Last week, we should explain that Gav uh, claimed that he was better than anyone else at holding in a shit. Um, and Pit, we got piss his- off. How do you know that? What do you mean? I didn't say it. No, I'm, I'm insulting him. <laughs> um, he says he's wicked at it. And um, we got into a discussion not about holding what- a shit, but holding it in. Holding it in, okay. not just in his ass. Stopping it. <laughs> <laughs> Egg and spoon race. But Cradling it, yeah. the end. Um, How long has he held it for? Well, he held it for the whole podcast last time, which is about an hour and ten. That's, That's not, not impressive. I thought you were going to say a day or something. I, mate, bring it out with him. But we got into skills you have that you would never put on a CV right. because they're so like pathetic or weird and useless. Well, that, that is weird. Anyway, this guy, Alex D, is a 38-year-old man who's never met anyone other than himself who can give himself goosebumps at will. <laughs> That's what? pretty cool. Wait, so he can make goosebumps appear on himself whenever he feels like it. And over the years, people have asked him uh, how he does it, and he's never had a better explanation to offer other than, well, I just think in my head that I want some goosebumps, and then they appear. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he's just got the power to manifest anything he thinks of, and all he ever thinks of is goosebumps? <laughs> like, if he went, I wish there was gold in my house, <laughs> it would just be there. It's just more and goosebumps, then he just goosebumps. goosebumps. He can't get it out of my mind. Oh, damn it! <laughs> Uh, anyway, he's never found a practical application for this skill other than impressing people at parties. <laughs> Only joking, he doesn't get invited to parties. Yeah, because he's the fucking Goosebumps boy. <laughs> sounds like an X-Files bad dude. <laughs> he does. It just sounds like he's got a skin disease. <laughs> What's going on? That's very odd. Do you guys have any skills that you wouldn't put on a CV? Just weird body skills. Body skills. My, my uh, dad, when he was growing up, he had a friend who could make himself sick. Just instantly, just vomit, like on on. Uh, That's absolutely hand. disgusting. But no, but it was good because, like, if they ever got like in trouble or anything, I think one time they got in trouble and they were getting a lift home with a police officer, and they were like, "Now, Bobby," and he just went, Bleh! and then wow. they just they just the, the police were just like, "Just get out of the car, just get out of here before you like say more." And so are we like, talking like projectile or just like yeah, no, like really bad, just like wow. Oh. Yeah, I can so make weird. myself sick. Like with hands given, and, no, yeah. no, not using hands. Oh, given just, time, yeah. Oh, like, right. Given I can't, time. Well, like, you're like, Bobby. I can't just go <laughs> straight like that. But Bobby it the takes me boy. a little bit of like <laughs> getting into the mind of it and thinking. 
Can you so imagine like trying to get in the mindset? And you're like, it's going, it's going, it's going. Goosebumps. Goosebumps so, again. <laughs> so wait, why do you know that you're good at it? Doing like, you it know when time? you get really battered. Oh, well, that's a bit different though. No, but you're like churny. Well, yeah. Or like if I get do it now. No, I can't do it now. <laughs> like looking at a toilet, I can be sick really? fairly easily. A clean yeah. toilet. Well, just any toilet. I kind of know what you... Yeah, there's a sort of psychosomatic thing, isn't yeah. there? If you're just looking into the bowl. Yeah. It's like, this is where I'm sick. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this yes. is a good place. But it's not It's not on the same level as... If ever, was that Bobby the Bath Boy? Bobby the Bobby Bath, the Bath Boy, Boy, yeah. The one and only. <laughs> He's in Defender season two. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Gav's ability to hold a poop, I think this might be, one, one of the longest bits of feedback we've ever had, and two, one of the best. Okay. This okay. is a proper saga, and I'm going to read it in full. And you can leave if you like, but I'm going to keep going. You've got six minutes. John Joe Carter <laughs> says, much like, the, mm, much like the rest of the UK, I was pretty impressed by Gav's talent of holding a poo as described in the last episode. But I'd be remiss if I didn't offer a word of warning about a similar experience of my own. When I was a wee lad of 15, <laughs> poor choice of words, I was involved in a heated family argument over dinner, during which my mother was absolutely adamant that every person in the world must follow a strict schedule and drop their proverbial log at the same time every day. I don't remember the proverb about shits. I mean, isn't that uh, very much out of your control? Apparently. My teenage brain reached the obvious conclusion that the best way to prove her wrong was to refrain from shitting for a whole week. What? It was a long week. A week filled with prairie dogging, touching cloth, <laughs> turtle heading, alongside the usual trials and tribulations of secondary school. But I survived the week. And you absolutely went a whole week without shitting. And absolutely destroyed the family bathroom seven gruelling days later, proving my mum wrong and sitting somewhat gingerly at this point atop my glorious high horse. Oh. A stupendous victory, right? Wrong. <laughs> a few days later, back to the normalcy of dropping the kids off at the pool once per day... Which kind of proves your mum, right? I was struck down with a blinding pain in my abdomen. For 36 hours, I was told to sleep it off and that I'd feel better in the morning. I think my mum was still bitter about being proven wrong, but nevertheless took me to the doctor eventually. Following a quick prod, he informed me that my appendix had burst, probably wow. about 24 hours previously, and emergency surgery was the only option to avoid widespread sepsis and death. Oh my God! Needless to say, I survived the, the six-hour operation. A typical uh, appendectomy takes around 30 minutes. Oh my Oh my God. The subsequent month-long stay in hospital and enough infections to make most doctors pull a double take to this day when I tell the story. I feel like there's a lesson in here somewhere, but what do I know? My own stubborn refusal to drop a deuce nearly killed me, and probably not someone that anyone should be listening to. Happy ending, though. My time in hospital kickstarted an interest in medicine, established anew, which has found me making a pretty decent career working in clinical trials, dealing with groundbreaking therapies that are making an enormous impact on patients' lives worldwide. So that's kind of cool. Wow. Seven days not shitting, you got a career out of it. <laughs> so that's a challenge for Gav. Why did he have to do seven days? I don't he know. just had to prove her that no one shit, they don't, people don't shit at the just same do time. Just do it for two. One day. No, because she's saying you have to, well, yeah, I suppose you, yeah. Do it for two, double up. Also, seven days is ridiculous. I'm, see. Gav can't I'm sure that. he's not lying. Yeah. But I think it's a, it sounds like a lie though. But it's like, seven it's days. As well as, it's like, you know, when you go to the bathroom and you like really had to go to the bathroom, you've been drinking a lot, you finally get to go mm. and you're peeing and you're like, this is the longest pee anyone's mm. ever had. There's no way anyone's peed longer than this. That's I think what Gav's like. But that, but that's like Gav with everything. Yeah. What? Just assuming he's the best at it. Well, there's that. <laughs> yes. Uh, but then also like slightly uh, hyperbolic. 
Mm. I would say so. So what we're waiting for now is just the inevitable blowout of Gav Zanus to get him <laughs> or, a different career. Or appendix. <laughs> or appendix uh, to get just, him a career in the medical industry. Yeah. Well, look, let's see if he can go the whole of Gamescom without taking a shit. That's a really good... Well, let's see if he can go... pork knuckle and oh, big steins of beer. Oh, man. I'll do, I'll do impacting. that. Do that with Gav. We'll have a poop off. We'll see if you can go the longest Please don't have a poop off. You'll get fucking hernia. Poop off 2K17. <laughs> it's coming in podcast form. Stay tuned. No one at IGN recommends that no. you hold in a shit. That's podcast 400, baby. The poop off. Oh, yeah. We should talk about that. Yeah. Promise it's still happening. It, uh, it might go back a little bit. Yeah, we might have to like fudge it. <laughs> uh, only because we want to make sure as many people can come along as possible, yes. and we're still trying to figure out venues, etc. So, like, I think we originally mentioned end of August, probably pushing it a bit tight. So we might bleed into September. We might, <laughs> after all the holding and shit talk, <laughs> I, I don't want to think about bleeding into anything. Uh, yeah, venues are hard. Venues are hard. It's tough. Let's just do it in here. Get everyone in here. I reckon you fit 100 people in here. I reckon you fit about 50. Some people go behind the curtain. There's a pub downstairs. Half of them can wait. We'll do like uh, shifts. They come up for the first <laughs> half, get some drinks for the second half. You only want to be on the second half, though. I'll just stay in the pub. Second half sounds time. brilliant. <laughs> yeah, second Keyword half countdown good. plans. Can't I wait. know. It's going to be so good. Can't wait. Anyway, we will announce that as soon as we can. Uh, so keep an eye out. Well, hopefully within the next week, but I'm pretty sure we said that last week. Yes. Yeah. So Sorry. Soon. <laughs> Anyway, uh, thanks for listening, and we will be back same time next week. Until then, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.